somehow I think when we first come on this, the team here, I think everybody's audio should be on for a while so that we can pick up the ambiance and gossip for a little while. So. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi, Christina. Hi. Amber. Hi. It must be in the North Pole or South Pole or someplace. Dark. Yes, I have, I have not enough sun to provide too much electricity. <laughs> so I choose light or computer. Ah. <laughs> Good choice. Yeah. It. Jeff, are you still in the Yucatan? Still here. Do you, do you know those? Uh, um, there's these fruits. What are they called? They're not, and um, they're, they're like chocolate. They're chocolate. They have a thin brown skin. You can get them in white or dark. I'll have to figure Cacao? out the name. No, little one. <laughs> brown ball, not that big. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I get that. Obviously, I'm not sure either. Phyllis, you have a fire going in your fireplace. I always do. I just didn't move back to my, my seat. <laughs> it's my heat. We're in, a, we're in an island off the coast of Africa called La Gomera. It's been raining here for about a week or 10 days. And so we're, it's getting cold inside and we're going, where's the fireplace? <laughs> it's supposed to be a tropical paradise, you know, but actually we need a fireplace. Hello, Ondra. Hello. Is that, you came are back. you? Yeah. And I have a question. Is there some Czech version of this book or some materials for it? My friends are asking for it because they don't know English. Is, you, what was, I missed a word. Is it a Czech, you said a Czechoslovakian version, a Czech yeah. version? Not to my knowledge, although it would be an amazing project to build one, <laughs> to make, to translate it. So yeah. some of your some of your friends want to translate it. All the Czech readers in the world would be grateful. Yeah, I was thinking about it, but I'm not yet ready to read because it's very new to me. Okay, well, in any case, there's some support information at sparktranslators.mystrikingly.com. If somebody would type that in. Mm -hmm. that, uh, uh, it's great to have to know that there's teams of translators around the world. We have a dictionary on there for all the possibility management words in the different languages. It's a multi-language dictionary for 68 possibility management terms. And so that's a good support for people. Great. Hello, Dor. 
Thor, thanks for your photo. Hey, Clinton, thank you. I was just recording a, a, a video map with, um, with uh, Nicole Hartley about the swamp from, uh, from Princess Bride <laughs> and how you get, get out of the swamp. Uh, cool. <laughs> Is it in English? Yes. When can we see it? Soon, just some edits and reviews and, and it's going to go up. Cool. Let us know, okay? Yes. Hello, Jonathan Werner. Can you say something, will you? Hi. Nice to meet you. Where are you? Munich. Okay, what's a guy named Jonathan Werner doing in Munich? I live here and um, I'm trying to make my way through life. There's this discussion that if, you're, if your work is not as inspiring as a hobby, how, how can you really serve people? Mm-hmm. How's that going for you? Hold on. Um, well, actually, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying my work right now very much. Well, thank you. Devin, you're growing a mustache. Yes. You know, the visual medium doesn't let you hide anything. <laughs> Obviously, you've been trained to not say more than is necessary. I appreciate that. Who is anybody would like to say anything while we're getting our grounding cords and our, our centers and our bubbles together here? Joseph, you're growing a mustache really fast. I can't hear you. I try to keep up with Devin uh, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. <laughs> Your mustache can't even jump. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful and it's easy and removable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sometimes have forgot that there is this filter in Zoom and uh, there is also a function where you can paint your lips red. And I had a business meeting and it, it took me some time to find out that I had very rosy lips. So uh, it can be dangerous <laughs> if you don't change your, your, your properties <laughs> at times. Are, are you trying to tell us that Kay doesn't really have blonde hair? Kay? Yeah, okay. She's got this, you know, she's wearing blonde hair, but but probably it's not. You know, it's maybe. probably fake, yeah. <laughs> and you probably totally do. not blonde. <laughs> Joseph, but thank you. Joseph, probably you really do have hair in your head. And that's I, I tried to avoid to, to protect that knowledge from, from everybody, but it's it is, yeah, the case. <laughs> thank you. Uh, my world is not the same, I don't think. There, Jeff was trying to get us to all believe that he's an angel. 
<laughs> well, I actually, I'm feeling this beautiful halo around me right now after, <laughs> after a wonderful conversation with Amanda and Jennifer about the possibility of bringing possibilities to Costa Rica. So feeling. Hey. Hey, but can't you, how come you feel like an angel? Like, what does that mean? I just feel this halo, you know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should, maybe it should be this actually. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I hello. Budding possibilities. Okay. That's funny. What's what's going on in Africa on the island you're in on? Over here? Yeah. Why? And Chloe has has been transforming. She's been radically ripping the roots out of that's the R R R radically ripping the roots out of just about everything she gets her hands on so, and plants them somewhere else, like in radical responsibility, radically ripping the roots and planting them in ran, radical responsibility. So ask, you have to ask her. What does that mean, Anne Chloe? How does that look? Well done, Phyllis. <laughs> the short answer is come to the next Rage Club space holder training. <laughs> and, okay. and you'll see when is Versus, that and when is that in february okay the dates are out okay okay yeah. <laughs> but otherwise projects are cooking here and um i think they will they will they will blossom out in like the public space when they're ready but i want to say that clinton has finished one of the books that we had planned to, well, we have a bunch of books to write here, but Clinton has finished one of his book. So. Which, which, which one? What's it's, it? it's called what No about? Reason. No Reason. And I'm going to say something. I don't know if it's really true, but it's about Clinton's time when he was a spiritual student and writing about the distinctions and the, his discoveries um, during that time, which a lot actually uh, is in possibility management today. So it's a lot about the, I mean, it shows the history or the source of a lot of the work in possibility management. Yeah, the, the publisher is usually not very communicative with me. And I sent the manuscript and he said, okay, well, you can hear from us in a couple months, maybe. I said, all right. And then I got a message from Regina and Regina is the one who edited Radiant, edited Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love. Oh man, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Regina is the one who edited Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love, and so she and I were in a process for I don't know nine months or something with this book. She at the end, she you know she she'd never heard of this kind of stuff, and she said I will never edit another book from you because it, it upsets my life too much. And now here, and then, so just yesterday or something, I get a letter from Regina, two days ago, I got a letter from Regina. She says, well, the publisher's asking me to read your book again. So it's on my pile of books. So I'll, I'll get to it. You know, after a while you can, you can write me notes to see how I'm doing with it, you know. And then the next day I get this letter from her. She's, she's I, I tell her, I tell her, 
Excuse me, I, I made a change. I wanted to add a little paragraph here and um, I'll send you a new version. And she goes, look, um, I already printed out your book and I'm on page 77. So <laughs> I, mean, I thought you said if you had a pile of books and this was somewhere in your pile, but anyway, <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. How are other people's books coming along? Other people moving their books along? Any reports on that? Don't all speak at the same time. Just somebody start saying that you wrote the table of contents or you wrote, wrote a, a chapter or something. Somebody say something. I'm writing a book. It's just gonna take a long time because it's uh, about my life and it's not over yet. <laughs> yeah, it's just gonna take a while, but I'm in the process. Thank you. Didn't we have a conversation where about eight people put their hands up that they were gonna be working on book projects? Isn't that true? Isn't this, isn't this kind of true? Yes. Well, I committed to finishing my script till the end of the year. You remember, Clinton? Yes. Yeah, it was in October. I'm, I'm moving quite good. And, and um, yes, it's, it's progressing. It's progressing. And what is getting, I mean, by the process of writing, what is getting just really clear now is there is no way of fixing old culture anymore. So I, probably that, that clarity will have some changes on, on the whole structure of the book, but it's so it became so clear of us, all of a sudden in the last few days that, yeah, I think it's, it's progressing. Thank you. I feel glad about that. I mean, I mean, one of the things about uh, writing a book is how much it changes you. Well, yeah. in, it's my experience. I write a book, but it's actually rewriting me, something like that. Somebody else have a report on their book? <clears throat> on their writing? Okay. I, yeah, I started writing, but what I started writing about isn't what I end up want to write about. And so I've written... I've written other things like articles and blogs and redone my website and totally changed from what I thought I was writing about. Can you tell us the two things or the, you know, what it was and what it is? Um, yeah. Uh, the first one was about loneliness and uh, now it's about um changing the world through um, Eros and uh, the masculine supporting the feminine in earth changes. Sounds great, really great. Go, go. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. Anybody else, Ingrid, your book? 
I am not yet writing, uh, but I have uh, some ideas. Not a book, but an article. So Ingrid, here's the problem. Every time I talk to you, what's behind you is a bookshelf. And I do not think it's a computer graphic animated bookshelf. I think it's a real bookshelf. This so, These are scores. It's music scores. Oh, music? Yeah. Okay. All right. I thought it was books and anybody sitting in front of a bookshelf loves books. So then that means you've got one inside of you. But I, I, I like to tell that uh, you, you said uh, just a, a few minutes ago, writing a book is changing you. I started my possibility team. It's changing me. I noticed that already. Thank you. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, just write down what happens at your possibility team. That'll be a book. Nobody ever did that before. <laughs> All right. Does anybody need to say anything before we dive in? Anything from the Vera department? <clears throat> I had a very box expanding morning and- Meaning what? Meaning, um, I went, I had a, um, a, a, a challenge from my archetypal lineage, the feminine side to uh, find a thing to wear eventually I thought it was going to be eventually but I went shopping today and that is box expanding for me because I don't like go shop going shopping and so I'm wearing it right now and I'm showing it off which is also strange for my box to do thank you <laughs> strange meaning frightening Frightening, very frightening, and yes, frightening. Excellent Edward experiment, thank you. Vera, next time I'm in, I'm in Portugal, I come shopping with you because I love shopping. Okay. Uh, you look very beautiful. <laughs> thank you. And I love shopping with other people. You're in the team, Amber. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Anything from the Leslie department? I'm happy to be here. I am actually my wonderful husband partner just uh, made a suggestion that we write a book together. About <laughs> he didn't know about any of this and I, I Anyway, I, I believe it's gonna happen and uh, it's gonna be about how different we are and how we both came to communication as a way to sustain love. Oh, nice. Wow, thank you. Thank you. Nicole, how's your book coming? Uh, well, my commitment to write my book has taken me on a wild ride to- Wait, wait. so I just wanna be clear. If, if you go to the Write the Book website, one of the things it says is it's not your book. Uh -huh. it's not your book. 
That really helps. <laughs> Thank you. That it's not your book, it's the book. Yeah. The book, yeah. That it, it's just a very big helpful thing because then it's, then you have access to the muse. I'm working on a website called the muse and it's getting, it's getting some good stuff in there because it, and you have echo and you have your bright principles and your archetypal lineage and you have all this necessity in the world. And so it's not your book. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. So there, there are several books that are kind of saying, write me, write me. And um, that's, that's kind of, it's requiring me to really get clear. And so in the Rage Club Spaceholder training, these experiments we're doing about committing to other commit, like the commitments of others, like I'm seeing it's like, there's these books that are like, commit to me, commit to me. And I'm like, which commitment, how do I commit to these commitments? And so I've been just experimenting about clarity, getting clarity about what a commitment is and, and, and how much energy is in it, like when I align with it, like, because there's that sense that I get, like the energy, my like it starts to get sucked into creating and to committing to commitments. And it's, so I'm really like just learning how to stay grounded and centered and bubbled when that happens. Cause I have a tendency to lose my center to things still. And so I'm working I on it. I have a proposal that you, you learn a three word sentence and the three word sentence is you have to use anger with it. You have to use it, you have to use the anger and you look at those things and you go, get in line. Yes. And so, Thank you. yeah, just say, just keep every time they, all these, they, they say, get back in line, get in line. And then just, you can only write one. So I, I got to have lunch with Robert A. Heinlein, the science fiction author, one time in San Diego back in the 70s. I got to sit directly next to him and, and there was nothing much happening. So I got to ask him all these questions. I said, can I ask you questions? And he, he said, yes, I will ask any question you want. I will either lie, tell you the truth or refuse to answer. So most of my questions he refused to answer and possibly the other ones he was lying. But the one that I, I really got an answer to, I said, Robert, what of all the books that you ever wrote in all these books that you've written, what, what's your favorite book? And he just looks at me immediately and goes, it's the one I'm writing now. So just tell him to get in line. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, cool. And can Callista, what about you? How's your book coming along? You thought you could hide out with the white hair thing, but no, it doesn't work. I mean, it is dis disorganized. Um, an another hint I just have for that, which is don't worry about organizing it, just write it. And there's a true story about a guy who, this is back in the typewriter days, had written all these papers, his, his book, and it was completely disorganized. And then this storm came and it, the window was open and just blew everything everywhere. And he had to run out of the house and get to a meeting and he grabbed it all and put it back into a pile. When he finally came back to look at it again, it was in perfect order. The wind put his book in order. So don't worry about the organizing part. 
Just write it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> oh, man, it sounds like we're getting into an extraordinary conversation here. So we better start reading from the book, which is on page 109 in my version. It's the chapter six, Extraordinary Human Relationship. Here we go. The ideas in this book are not rules. Do not make these ideas into rules. If you make these ideas into rules, then you will stop feeling and deciding and you pass a responsibility for your life over to the rules. Abdicating responsibility for your life is misusing this book. This book is about you taking more responsibility for your life, not less. A distinction will be made here between ordinary human relationship and extraordinary human relationship. Without you making significant efforts to live each breath of your life in this distinction, creating extraordinary human relationship will only occur for you by accident. With both the culture and your box, so modern culture and your box designed to prevent you from creating extraordinary human relationship, the chances are not very promising that you will have such an accident. You will have to do it on purpose. This chapter is about how to do it on purpose. Before making a distinction between ordinary human relationship and extraordinary human relationship, you only had one category in which to place qualities of human relationship. There was but one criterion against which to measure and classify your behavior. Making a distinction between ordinary human relationship and extraordinary human relationship gives you greater resolution on your map of relationship, which is on the next page. The value of the map of relationship is that you can find out where you are on that map and you can find out where else it is possible to go. As meant by responsible adult actions. Is that correct? No, no, no. As you will see, excuse me, as you will see, there are some very interesting previously unseen places to go. So the map gives us places to go. We'll be dancing around this map for a while as we, as we get these distinctions. We have all had experiences in extraordinary human relationship. These are moments when love seems to work. Our mind is empty of busyness and full of quiet respect. Our heart overflows with joy. Your body vibrates with passion and your being is inspired with electric aliveness. You bathe in an abundant love that cannot be described 
actually only felt and it feels so right. Perhaps you have only dreamed about a love that hits on all four cylinders. So that's a car, an in, internal combustion gasoline engine car metaphor. So I don't know how that slipped in in terms of talking about love. How come I'm using a car metaphor for hits on all four cylinders? So you have to forgive me, but yeah. Okay, it goes to four stroke engine working at all four cylinders and that's what it feels like, all right? Human heart. What, the heart? Yeah, like the heart hitting on all four cylinders. For guys, you know, we have four cylinders in our heart. In atriums. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Women have like eight cylinders in the heart. They're, they're a V8. <laughs> that would, Jeff, there's your book right there. You know, four I, I've already, I got my theme already, but. What, what is it? My theme has found me rather. It's the intersection of healthcare feelings and barefoot living. Say it again. It's the intersection of healthcare feelings and barefoot living. Thank you. That will work. Just, just throw the word four cylinders in there somewhere or eight cylinders, okay? okay. That will work. It's been noted, thank you. Okay. All right, so it feels right. So perhaps you've only dreamed of this kind of a sensation that it hums smoothly and long, but I suspect it has been an actual experience for you. So just, to, just for the video, for how many people has this been an actual experience when you've had that sense of just on? Put your hand up. Anybody, anybody think they have not had that experience? Does anybody think they have not had it? I see a couple. Anybody else? Okay. I didn't understand the question. Yeah, the, the question is simply, have you had this experience of love happening on all four cylinders? Your mind, your mind slips out, your busyness falls away, your heart overflows with joy, your body vibrates you know, you have this electric aliveness and it just is on. So that was a question. Has anybody not, not had that experience? Like, like Janet, you had your hand up. Did, did you not even have that experience with a, a dog or a cat or? I wasn't allowed to have pets as a kid. Say it again, slower. I wasn't allowed to have pets as a kid. Okay, but there's a lot in there. Uh, the fact that you're speaking so fast is keeping the lid on a bunch of emotional stuff. And the fact that you're biting your lips like that is also keeping a lid on a lot of emotional stuff. This book, you can't read it unless you really feel that emotional stuff. So just let it come out. All right, Janet. I've, I've already I've cried twice today. It's only eleven here in the morning. Like I've already been all over the place emotionally, anger, fear, sadness. So it's I'm coming like yeah, like at the edge already. And um, thank you. And Chloe is making a new a new website called Go to the Edge. So maybe she should talk to you about that. 
you know, um, just use more tissues, you know. Sometimes when I don't have tissues around, I just grab my old underwear and I use I use my old underwear just for stuff. Whatever whatever's around, I use it. So I suggest letting it letting it out. Keep drinking water and let it come through. Okay, so there's there's no anyway. I just we're we're just we're just this is the very first paragraphs of this chapter. So here we go. I suspect it has actually been an actual experience for you. So that's why I'm suspicious when people have put their hand up to say they haven't had it, because I'm just asking you to give yourself some space to find out, well, maybe, yeah, maybe I actually did, because possibly long ago, perhaps only for a few moments, that's what I'm talking about. Still, I think that you already know deep in your bones that extraordinary human relationship exists and that you want to get back there often. And I would add on purpose or more intentionally with more, with more skill, basically. There is no secret. Extraordinary human relationship is an automatic side effect of responsible adult actions. For the most part, however, we have a fuzzy idea about what it is meant to be responsible, what it is meant to have responsible adult actions. That is no fault of your own. Your lack of understanding and experience in adult responsibility is also a characteristic of modern culture. The tendency of modern culture to avoid adult responsibility creates a virtual boundary that we will have to approach together as a team, okay? We're gonna approach this boundary together as a team and eventually step over it, step through it. If, if we want to enter and explore extraordinary human relationship. So this is our intention, that's what we're gonna do and it will be teamwork, it will, re, you know, when you hit something, it will require that you call somebody in the team and say, I've hit, I've hit something. Like I'm really, I'm puzzled, I'm confused, I'm outraged, I'm overwhelmed, I'm broken. You know, whenever, you, whenever that happens, you just call somebody, okay? Jeff? So th this statement, that is no fault of our own, that's an yeah. irresponsible statement. In a way, it is. I agree. At the same time, uh, I put that in there so that, I mean, thanks for pointing it out, but it's in there so because, because so many of us have this strategy of self-flagellation, self of beating ourselves up, like blaming ourselves, I'm not good enough, I'm, I'm guilty, I'm wrong, I'm bad, you know, that thing. And so if you start off with that, you're an idiot for having, uh, for limiting yourself, for not having a clear relationship to adult level responsibility, even though your entire culture and surroundings has no idea what that is. And you blame, you know, it's a, just a, it's a weak start. So we're going for a good, strong start here. So just forget that, just forget the fact that it's your fault, that you chose to be born in modern culture in this time and with parents who, who didn't write radical responsibility books for you as a child. And they put you in school instead of 
homeschool and all that. It's, okay, just forget that it's your fault. So here we go. Thank you. So get it that it's going to be teamwork. All right. We have a we get a few more months to, in this extraordinary section. So so plan on going through some stuff to get there. If we so yeah the virtual boundary that's blocking us from extraordinary relationship this virtual boundary restricts your perceptions your thinking your feeling and your actions and remains an effective barrier until you are ready to take responsibility for breaking the rules okay we started off saying that you cannot make this distinctions into rules. And here we're asking you again to break the rules. Taking the situation into your own hands and finding your way to the other side of the normal barrier, this marshmallow zone that keeps us in this, this, this quality of normalcy. To get to the other side of that barrier, there is a, is a prerequisite for entering extraordinary human relationship. So gaining competencies for creating extraordinary human relationship is the equivalent of a university graduate degree program. Your success will come from committing to acquire extraordinary human relationship skills at the same time, at the same level of discipline and professionalism that you would commit to obtaining an advanced degree. Along the way, large chunks of past understanding about reality and how the world works will fall away in the face of experiential clarifications about what it is to create and maintain extraordinary human relationship. I should read that sentence again. Along the way, along this journey we're making together, there will be chunks, large chunks of your previous understanding about reality and how the world works. Those, they will fall away in the face of your own experiential clarifications, your own experiential distinctions about what it is to create and maintain extraordinary human relationship. So I, I just want to tell this story about a woman. I. Uh, She's in, in Robinsburg. I don't even think she would worry if I told you her name because her name's Martina. Uh, and she, she was in a, a, came to a one day rage workshop. And we we're in this workshop. And uh, at some point in the afternoon of, the, of that day, she, she had this, she was ready to do standing rage in the workshop. <clears throat> was not was not at that level, but she was. So I told people, I said, look, we're going to make a space that's safe enough for Martina to do standing rage. And we, ha we had two strong guys. She's big. She's bigger than me. There's two strong guys holding her. And she went for it. I mean, really, she went for the standing rage stuff. And you could just see her nervous system change while she was in this process. I could see it. It was like, Dust was blown out, spider webs, all this crap was blown out of her tubes, and this fire started coming through. And it just, that fire hasn't stopped. That fire is just, has stayed on since then. It's like a flaming 
flaming exhaust pipe. I don't know. It's just this huge fire. And there was a guy in the training after the, after we did the process, we're back in the big circle and he's looking at, he's looking at Martine and he says, you know, I'm sorry that happened to you because God, that looked, that looked really difficult. And I'm sorry this asshole Clinton, you know, made it, you know, pressured you into having, you know, doing this horrible thing to feel so angry at somebody, you know, and I, I'm going, and I, I, I started to try to defend Martina and she just says, Clinton, you stop, you don't have to defend me. I had the experience. I had the experience. There's nothing anybody can say to make that bad for me. That was so fantastic. I, and, you know, I had the experience. There's nothing anybody can say. Don't worry about it. So it's going to be like that. It's going to be these experiential distinctions that will replace chunks of theoretical reality that we've been depending on because we learned them that way. We learned them that they were a certain way or supposed to be a certain way. And those things will fall off. And on this island where we are, where Chloe and I are, we just read a little sign that right like 100 meters away from our house here, there was a, in the 1700s, there was a village of women who did ceramics. They were doing ceramic stuff and they were famous for it all over the island. And so they, um, the, there was some huge earthquake or rainstorm or something and the entire wall of the cliff fell off and crushed the village. I'm sure it killed some people, but it was like, then the village is just gone. It's just absolutely gone. And so it changed the face of the earth, this like this, this earthquake. I don't know, this, it wasn't really an earthquake, like a landslide from a big rain. It just went <clears throat> and the village was gone and it changed it forever. That's what's going to happen to us while we're doing this. We're going to have these pieces fall off and it'll just change the, the ge geometry of, of our internal structure. So that's why I'm saying, please get ready to call people. Please don't worry about stuff like this happening. Just really... Um, you get this, how many people are going to be willing to be called and also call people? Can you put your hand up just so everybody can see? If you want to be called, are you willing to be called? Just put your hand up if you're willing to call. Yeah, thank you. So that's about 90%, 90%. So you can pick any number. And if somebody calls you and you don't want to be called, just say, please call somebody else like that. Okay. All right. Um, okay, this chapter opens possibility after possibility for finding your way into the domain of adult responsibility because of how quickly the game can slide from extraordinary back to ordinary again. There is no time when your efforts are not important, even if in the moment they appear to have no success. I think you know what this is about. It means that, that the, you know, we talked last week about gremlin and gremlin will come up with excuses and reasons and ways to blame people, ways to avoid responsibility, huge excuses, huge, huge um, stories, really convincing stories. And, and they'll be believable because you've heard them before, because you want to believe them. 
but what I'm what I'm saying here that's ordinary then as soon as you you go you, as soon as you take a ride on on the gremlin's back and go where the gremlin wants to take you you're going to end up back in ordinary and so the there will be no time where it's where your efforts are not important and that this is when you're if you're living with somebody if you're interacting with somebody at work or in private even with the waiter at the restaurant or the lady at the grocery store, whatever, those, those, there's no time when the universe is not watching. I think, I think you get what I mean. There are consequences with every move. So there's, you don't, there's no safety zone for, I can just fucking shit on people and nobody's watching, so what the hell? You know, there isn't any time like that because the consequences are karmic. There's these energetic karmic consequences that have a physical reality to them. And it's your, it's, it's so great because it's almost like as a kid stacking blocks. If you ever stacked blocks, I was with young kids uh, some years ago and plus my own daughters, but we, we would stack these blocks. And the thing is, there's gravity and then there's blocks and you can stack them up to a certain degree. And if they are unstable, they will fall down and it's feedback. And the question is, well, how high can you stack the blocks? Like how solid of a base can you build that will support a structure that's elegant and beautiful and strong and stable? And, it, and, it's, and the thing is, if you, if you pull out one of the bottom blocks or you stack them crookedly, the, whole, the thing will fall down. So it, it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's physics. It will fall down. And so this is the game we're playing in a way. It's with the people in your life, in the, in the energetic world, you're building blocks. You're building these structures of relationship. And the relationships, they have this integrity and they have this elegance and they have this balance, a kind of balancing. And then they... And, and the, when you build them that way, they become resilient. They can become resilient. And that means that if you make a mistake or they make a mistake, you go, oops, can I have a do-over? Can I try again? And they just go, yeah. And then you have the do-over and it's, it, it, it keeps cruising. But if, if you haven't built the elegance and the resilience and the um, stability into it, if you're not ongoingly doing that, if you think somebody else is going to do it or it's going by chance, then when you want to do over, they'll just say, no, you know, it just won't work. It won't come back together where it was. You have to start all over again from six months ago or something. So that's what this is trying to say is that it, it does, it's, um, yeah, it's a way of life in a way. It's a way of uh, negotiating or a way of, Mm, what is it called conjugating you know when you're when you're conjugating words into different um into different uh tenses you know first person second person you know formal informal in all in the spanish language they have you have in german also there's many languages you have to decide whether this is a formal situation or an informal situation. In English, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The you is all the same. But if you say tu or you say usted, it makes a huge difference in Spanish. 
and and it's far better to err on the side of giving more honor than less honor. So so the thing is, if you if you create your relationships with that kind of elegance built in, that you're that you're flowing power and you're aware of status transactions and you're um, conjugating your interactions in a way that honors and flows dignity and respect to those around you. It builds in this resilience. It's, and, that, and it's a kind of, it's a formal dance. It's a little more, it takes a little more attention or a little more, what do I say? Um, a little more, it's not even, it's like five or 10% more effort, I would say, something like that. Um, it's, if you, if you, if you add it in, like if you, if you build it in, it doesn't take so much. I'm thinking of the flamingo dance. If you've seen flamingo, it's a Spanish form of dancing where there's a story being told. It's like a, um, it's almost an archetypal story or a hero's journey of this story of a, an approach from a man and the woman approaches and then she goes away and he's thrown back and then he does something even more noble and he jumps on the table and he shows his real true wish to desire to be with the woman and then the woman, whatever, this is, this is this whole interaction thing. So you're talking to the mailman at the post office or talking to the your mother on the phone at Christmas or at her house or even the, even the way you talk to the dog can have can include that level of attention, a different level of attention, a little more, a little more consciousness. And I don't know, and Chloe and I were just watched a movie last night called Master and Commander. It's with Russell Crowe. It's about the 1800s and a ship. And the in this particular ship, the there was you know full of men who were the sailors. They would address each other by calling each other. Mr. Hornblower, instead of John, you know, hey, John, they say, excuse me, Mr. Hornblower. And, and it would be an elder man, like somebody in his 30s or 40s talking to a kid in his 18 years old or 16 year old kid, and he would call him Mr. Hornblower instead of, hey, John. And so the way of addressing each other with the elegance and formality and respect it calls through something different into the space and into the person. So this is where we're extraordinary. That's beginning to be where we're going. Let me see where this goes next. Okay. There is no time when your efforts are not important. Because of how quickly the game can slide from extraordinary back to ordinary again, there's no time when your efforts are not important. Even in the moment, they appear to have no success. So if the person across from you does not accept or acknowledge the energy that you're flowing them or the love that you're flowing them or the opportunity, the possibilities that you're offering them and they refuse, that doesn't mean you should get off it. It doesn't mean for you to give up and switch back to ordinary. You can, even though you, you go on to the next thing, you can keep the door open like that. 
before I go on to the next section called responsibility and practice, is there any stories or comments or questions from anybody now? Phyllis, go ahead. Um, what I notice is that, uh, and I, is that I think of um, the extraordinary answer like seconds after I've said, in, you know, my good, good girl box is so strong that my response is normal. And then like five seconds later, I go, oh, I could have done that. And, and an example is for a do-over is when you talked about the fire behind me. You know, I could have said, well, I just finished, that fire just stoked a huge amount of anger in me because I just finished the 333 and ended up having this amazing coughing fit that was like throwing up old anger. And yeah, so there's my do-over. So, so I'm, all I'm saying is that that's practice. You know, I don't always have that response, but as long as I think about it, then at some point, hopefully I'll have that response immediately. Thank you. Ingrid, go ahead. You have to turn your microphone on though. Thank you. Yeah, I want to share a story and my, my, my intention is really to strengthen my courage to do the extra, to do things which can guide to extraordinary. Last Saturday, I had really a bad, <laughs> a bad moment with my husband. Um, we wanted to have a meal. I needed to do something important. And when I came back for, to, to, to see him, he was so angry because it took, took longer than he thought. He was so angry, but so angry that he told me, you better go. Uh, if not, I threw something to you. And when, when he is in this uh, gremlin stuff, usually I'm so anxious that I don't do anything. I just freeze. And this time, and maybe because I, we did the day before anger and I did it for the first time upright. For the first time I did anger upright. And when you told that, I thought maybe it was because I was able because of that. For the first time I said, uh, uh, I, said I, want, I want to say something. And he said, no, you better know. And I said, so I, I talked to myself and I said, um, the, uh, I love you and this is really ridiculous that you do it in the theater and I did all this stuff I, and I used conscious anger to, to keep my gremlin, conscious fear to be attentive what would provoke him so that I, I don't cross this, this line and I used really conscious joy and I was the whole time I knew I'm fine. I'm already. He he went up in his room and 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 he uh, he was so and he yeah he he was really he has fear of himself that he explodes and that he become throw yeah he that he he do something what he do, doesn't like to do and I, but I stayed in the stay in the status of being joyful conscious joy and I knew I will be fine whatever will happen. I will be fine. And after I really, he came back and, and 
petit à petit, so, so slowly, he came back really and, and he could connect. And I too. And yesterday evening, he said to me, uh, don't do this again. Uh, don't do this again like that way. And I thought, oh, this is the moment. Now the, the, the ordinary tries to convince me not to do that again. And it, I, I knew, I knew, no, this was the thing to do. For the first time, I didn't freeze, not of, of fear. And I was, and it, it helped me so much what you said, Clinton, that no rule. So my mind wanted to, to, to take out rules of that, to, you know, I need to do that. No, no rule. Just be in the moment and do what asks by principles and do whatever comes and, and whatever outcome it is. And I want really only to share this so that something in me got more strengthened to, yes, have the courage, Ingrid, to do, to do that, to do that, whatever happens. Yes, thank you. Mm. Um, I have a story <clears throat> in my in my group that meets five days a week um, there was one point where we were experimenting with different um, different approaches and different exercises while we were getting our decisions made and putting uh, you know uh, taking care of business. And so one of the suggestions one day was that we each consider ourselves to be um, diplomats from foreign countries. And when we have, when we want to um, say something, we rise and address the group with grand uh, gestures of respect and honoring and then say what we have to say, sit down, listen to the response. It was, it was awesome. I, I, I feel like nothing is in the way of continuing to do that. There's nothing in the way. And, uh, I, I just want to remember that. What, Leslie, can you, what did it do for you or what did it do for the group? Can you, can you say? Well, it, it definitely slowed everything down. It's usually a very rapid back and forth and people react. Um, it's very ex expected that people will react. So, you can easily not even finish your sentence and then somebody will react and, and then it goes from there or somebody says i haven't finished and then they get to finish and then then somebody reacts or you know there's just a lot of the same um the habits that we haven't broken and some people don't particularly value the habit of 
I mean, some people value the habit of say what you have when you have it and we'll go from there. But um, it doesn't mean I have to go with that. Thank you. It also struck me to see my other community mates um, participating in that exercise, willing to to do something different. And it wasn't my idea. Like I feel like a lot of times I've brought in ideas with a big should attached. We should do it like this or so luckily somebody else brought it and people really liked the idea. I mean, we only did it that one day. But. Thank you for that possibility. Does anyone else have something else about this kind of experimenting and edge work? I remember when I was my first did my first lab several years ago and I was so inspired by the stellations and the anger work especially. And I went back home. I was living in the little community that I was living in. And somebody crossed a boundary of mine. And I, I think like a combination of my gremlin and my... I don't know, my being in my box, like some kind of mixture, like decided it was a good idea to get enormously big with my anger at him and like, and like basically stellate, basically like get, get huge with the story that this is like, this is extraordinary, basically. This is the responsible thing to do. And it was a big wake up call for me about like, um, I guess how, how unconscious my gremlin was, was at the time, really, of, um, you know, and he definitely opened up. Like, it was definitely, I don't know. It was a big learning for me. And I think I've like, I've realized since then what I think a dance, what a dance it is to dance with these archetypal energies and what like the the just what what responsibility comes with at the archetypal levels really of um and uh, and in some way in some ways i feel like i've i've shut the door on the extraordinary through through 
through going really like way too big and then kind of like, whoa, getting a big beat from the universe and then sh shrinking back down past, past a line where I was. And yeah, I feel, I feel fear about that. I wanted to mention it because there's a part of my, part of my being that wants to keep, you know, keep on being at the edge and in that way or similar ways and to keep on, like, I want to be the, the pirate in the streets doing the wild experiments. Um, being just being different than others in the midst of normality and that sort of thing. Cause there's just like, there's so much joy there. And it's like, it's like, yeah, this ongoing question of how do I do that in a, in a way that creates as much responsible outcome as possible really, but go for it anyway. Thank you. I saw Mia had her hand up first and Kay and also Jeff. If... Yeah, thank you. Go ahead. Um, thank you. So in, in my PM study group, we're studying directing and in chapter, um, the stellating chapter, I think it's chapter seven, you offer some tools. And um, one of the tools was double holding space. <sighs> I'm just gonna take a moment because I, and have a lot of fear coming up. Just wanna center and ground. Well, what is the fear telling you? The, uh, old stuff. Then do you say thank you to your fear then? Thank I you, but yeah. Yeah, just say thank you. you know, it's old stuff. I'll make a different decision here, but thank you for letting me know. So the double holding space was an experiment I did yesterday that I've been doing. And I was playing a game with another friend of mine and her 20 year old daughter. And the double holding space for me was about holding um, archetypal space inside of me of what's possible. And then holding another space around like the people that I'm with. Mm -hmm. And then infusing bright principles into that because the space to me felt very ordinary. And I typically get very like um, triggered or bored with ordinary. And so this was a way for me to like not really like judge it and create something else that was possible because I was holding that double space of like, well, what, what's going on inside of me is not ordinary at all. Like I'm feeling like I just want to create magic and, you know, do all these things right now in the moment. But I, I, so I held that possibility inside and then I double held space where I brought in like, cause I was feeling a lot of fear too and judging myself. So then I just like brought in all these bright principles. And then the, somehow for me, the space became different what was possible for them to relate to me became different. And yeah, it was really cool. So I just wanna thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. It's so great thank when you. people actually do the experiments. Yes, because they work. Thank you. Kay. Yeah. Um... 
I'm often afraid to say what my experience inspires me to say. And then I think we have a president that lies and says all the most outrageous things and 50% of the country loves him. You know, I think I could say a thing that not everybody likes or is ready for. And <laughs> thank you. Sorry, I didn't say it. Uh, sure. I think that, um, that women have a resource, which is their, um, their sensuality and eros that can be rocket fuel for, uh, what we want to say and who we want to be in the world and that it's currently being misused and misdirected and that we can own it and stoke it and, be more powerful in the world and um, that in order to balance the patriarchy, it has to be balanced by women and that we really could use support of men to who have the power now to just open the door for our voices. Let it be known that that is on video recording and going out to the world as you speak. <laughs> Yay. Ah, thank you. Jeffrey. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for the space. Uh, I, as I heard everybody uh, share on this particular topic and then specifically Mia shared, which made me really happy because it really anchored the point is that I think there's a distinction to be made between the standards we set for ourselves and turning those into rules for others, right? Like it's almost like, a, like we create expectations for them based on our standards. And when they don't meet them, then we think, you know, it creates this, oh, I'm, where I'm better than, and I know more than you, and, and you didn't act this way, and you're, you're, you're bad, and, and I have to, you know, get rid of you, or teach you, help you, um, and I, I think, I have the sense that we've all fallen into this trap before, where we, you know, we have this new understanding, and we sort of overlay it, and project it on the world, and, and that creates, it, it destroys, it's destroyed spaces for me, and I've been really playing with understanding that and dancing with, with that in a, in a way that, that creates rather than destroys. Jeff, do you have a way, you have a way that you've been shifting that, you know, like getting off it or transforming it or something? So it's, I think it, 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 it really starts with taking a deep breath. <laughs> And uh, taking one, taking three seconds to remember that everybody is seeking transformation. 
either consciously or unconsciously and any act that they perform is is you know in in search of something and really trying to just you know i heard an amazing quote once that that said that before you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes you have to take your shoes off <laughs> which is which is ironic given my my lifestyle but um you know really being able to take yourself take myself out of my ego state and and just allow myself to feel into what what are they really trying to say or what are they really trying to do here what's what's behind the words that that's that really is, is helpful for me thank you amber yes i i'd like to share an experiment i've been doing in the last weeks and experience goes that each time friends came to visit me in my house and I had a feeling of like I had this assumption that there could be any kind of Kremlin conversation. I did the 333 anger and I invoked my bright principles so powerfully that I was totally relaxed and the space was totally clean and there was absolutely no gremlin shit happening. So, so I, I can really recommend that exercise, doing it by yourself, even before having a conversation with anybody. Mm. And it's quite magic. Wow. Could you just, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, can you just explain it real quick? 333? Yeah. Well, 333 is the practice of doing three months, three times a week, three minutes, just going, go, get, get, let the anger get big and, and, and let the words come out, whatever words come out. I modified it a bit somehow because I somehow I used that anger for, for like bringing in my body, my bright principles. Like I've been like transformation, you know? So, so the space was like infiltrated by, by an angry invocation of transformation and love. So, I will go on experimenting. <laughs> I find it less, I find it more fun than having to discuss on a <laughs> level shit. I mean, this is what we're discovering in the online rage clubs is how much thrives with what we used to think of as this horrible energy called anger. I mean, even, even to scratch your head, to stand up, to fold the clothes, to call someone, to pay the bills, to, fin to throw stuff away, you know, to clean the floor, it's all anger. It's all anger. And to say hello or to call in bright principles with that aliveness, with that much passion, with that much commitment, with the anger in there, hey, 
that's what, what, what are you going to do? Be a zombie? You're going to sleep? Like, come on. Like, like there it's, it's like you have more energy after than before. And so it's, this is where the fun comes in that you're talking about. I think it's like, there's more aliveness and energy and attention and presence after when you let the anger fly through. And it's like, um, I was with a, a teenager once and he, he, we were walking through Los Angeles or no Las Vegas and he was trying to be cool. So, but the way he was being cool, if there was something to look at, he wouldn't, he would not look at it. If somebody was trying to get his attention, he would not give them their attention. If, if somebody wanted to look in his eyes, he, he was too cool to look in someone's eyes. And then he would slowly kind of look over a little bit like that. And so I gave him this experiment to like, to move his attention quicker, to, to, to uh, use anger to move his attention. So if somebody wanted to get his attention, it was like, he was that fast. He would just look right at, cause you can feel when somebody's looking once your attention. And then, and then he would look people right in the eyes immediately and his whole life changed and he could walk through Las Vegas he wasn't cool anymore. He was bad. I don't know. I don't know that, you know, he was like on fire. He was alive. Before he was kind of this slug, this kind of slow reacting, you know, thing. But this, anyway, it's just, uh, I just love it to hear the application story. So thank you for telling us, Tim. Thank you. There's so much. Uh, the resource of the anger and we're also discovering the fear and the sadness have this kinds of resources also, but like the fear club is unfolding so many aspects of the dimensions of the applications of the intelligence and energy of fear. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I would like to add some, some, something actually very important because I, I think the people who come in here, they can immediately feel that invocation so there is the boundaries are quite clear where the, the space is what the space is accepting and what not and and if i'm if i when i'm invoking my bright principle there is no space for shit okay so so I, I don't even have to discuss, you know, I don't even have to, yeah, it's just, it creates a different space. So I think that's quite a comfortable way to, to start a conversation or let's say um, an exciting way, an exciting, an exciting starting place. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And Chloe? I want to share an experiment about uh, making this shift from ordinary to extraordinary that I've been um, that I've discovered actually from a different context from a, a talk from a man called Jim Zarvos and he his experiment was to listen for what you want to hear instead of listening to the ordinariness of people so most people just talk and they, and they bring their ordinary stories and victim stories and complaining and gremlin and, and instead of correcting them or making a boundary, which I also like, whatever, there's different, there's a lot of different ways from shifting from ordinary to extraordinary, but he, he I, 
he offered and that I've tried to, I've practiced listening for, and it's sort of what Jeff was saying, listening for what could be, like listening for the possibility of what could be. So I just had a, a call with Emba. Are you okay if I give the example, a little bit of our call? And Emba said, I, she, she, she said, I want to have a call with you. I want to give you some feedback. And, and, I, and I heard and I listened and I, and the, the, it was, the offer was to me, like you did this, you did that, and it didn't work for me. That was the offer from Emba. And I, and I said, ah, oh, okay, what I'm really hearing is that you want me to get wilder that you, you're offering me a door to get wilder and bigger and stronger and more feminine and more whatever. And Emma said, well, yeah, actually that's really what I, I'm saying. And so, and, and I've been really doing that about um, like people complaining about, oh God, I was stuck in the tag, in the traffic, it was horrible and I'm late now. And and to say, oh, what I'm really hearing is that you wanted to be uh, on time with me so you can spend time with me. God, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I also wanted to spend time with you. Okay, and pff, the whole conversation then it's about connection and about, and forget the traffic and the, and the, and the complaining. So as a, as a listener, you can also make uh, the shift about what you want the conversation to be about and just to, listen for that in what in the ordinariness of the offers. Thank you. The power of the listener. We'll get into it, I think, but there's also the power of building a listening, like creating the possibility of something that you can speak into. In a way, can that's I, what you were saying. Sorry, can I, I wanted to say that the offer from Emba didn't, was not ordinary. Emba, I just want to make that clear. It was adult. It was, it came, but I'm talking about other offers. I just want to make that clear. Okay, thank you. Clinton, I, I would like to share an experiment and I want to do it in this space. Often when I speak in this space, I uh, notice that my gremlin, uh, basically takes over and I speak from that place and I stop sharing and my dignity's gone. So I want to practice here during this little share, not doing that and would invite feedback for, for future shares from me. But the experiment I'm playing with in my world right now is the question, how are you doing? It's a question we ask a lot. And so, so it's, for me, an invitation into bullshit uh, or into something so painfully ordinary. And I started saying, uh, I'm not answering that question anymore when people ask it. And I got feedback on that really quickly. Uh, and this is kind of to Jeff and Anne Chloe's point, unlike that my gremlin really actually enjoys saying I'm not answering that question anymore. And what people don't hear and what I need to, and what I've started playing with in this practice is adding the layer of invitation into intimacy I do want, because it really is not just about, um, I don't want to answer your questions, get away from me. It's I am longing to connect with you. And this question will create a space where I can't. 
And so the second question I'm asking right now is, do you have a more specific question for me? And obviously this happens on my side too, where I am no longer allowed to ask the question, how are you doing? So there's this place where I'm actually wondering, there's this person in front of me that maybe I've known for a long time, and what do I really want to know about them right now? Uh, what, what is the question that, what is the intimacy I really want to invite them into? Um, yeah, that's, that's my share, I want to add that. Thank you. Thank you. So much anger comes up in me when I hear that question and I'm trying to learn to do something about it. Yes, uh, one of the practices for learning about going nonlinear is to give five contextually different answers to that question whenever somebody answers you. So don't just give one answer but give five. So you can say, I'm going to give you five answers to that question. And you give five different answers. And you know, the mind freaks out after the second one, because the mind doesn't know what to say after the second answer. But you, you commit to giving five, and you'll be surprised the uh, abundance of possibilities that come flowing through after you after your system gets that your, your mind, whatever, that you're committed to the five answers, the resource will flow out of you. I'm, I encourage that as an excellent response to how are you doing? Something like that, another experiment. I, I just have this uh, spontaneous question. I'd like to hear from Ethna and from Gisela. I just haven't heard your voice today and I'd, I'd like to hear something from either of you or both of you actually. Can you, can you speak into your microphone closer? Can you hold it up? Yeah, right to your mouth. This is the first time that I speak and I thank you for inviting me to the space. Um, I'm listening to everything that you are saying. Uh, what I would like to share is um, how I'm finding possibilities in possibility management. Um, Thanks to PM, I'm starting to implement conscious marketing. And I was coming from an unconscious marketing background, being an executive in corporations and that trying to sell things that people didn't need. Um, and I wasn't feeling fulfilled because I wasn't giving back to anybody, not even to me. And now I am. Um, I started to have clients in my consult consulting and implementing possibility management principles, emotional healing, in order to guide or help, or as Jeff said before, um, show the light of entrepreneurs through me, working through their, in, in with their shadows and bringing the light, the light up. So at the beginning, I was a little bit hesitant to participate in the schools. And uh, now it became a, such an important 
part of my life and even like brought to light my, my life purpose, my true life purpose, that I'm in the, in the process of also um, participating in the, in the trainer's path, North American trainer's path. And um, I really, really want to thank you, Clinton, in, in first place. Jeff, that is my, my partner who introduced me to PM for we've been together for the last six months, nine months. And uh, before I had my first ETB in September, I had been like exposed to PM without knowing it. And it was a <laughs> it was a huge uh, learning process for me and also for him, I guess, together. And uh, so I just want to say thank you. And uh, I'm very happy to be part of this family. Thank you for the space. Thank you. Hmm. Yes, now. Yeah, Clinton, when you said uh, you wanted to hear from me, I had this really insane fear reaction. It felt like a jolt of lightning and my face kind of like grimaced. Um, that was really uh, interesting to experience. I think I have fear around like um, needing to give a good answer so people will respect me or um, approve of me in this space or something, something very close to that. Um, <laughs> I've spent a lot of this call uh, just kind of being in a state of wonder at how this topic is melding into so much that is going on in my life right now. Um, I had an emotional healing process last night uh, where I came to this realization that I've come to before, but it hit me really hard about the ways that I uh, lie by omission constantly, constantly withholding what I'm experiencing, whether it be physical, emotional, like intellectual, on every single body, I'm constantly lying to the people around me. Um, it's because I'm terrified of intimacy. I'm terrified of what it means, like the horrific ordeal of being known, essentially. Um, and I, as much as I am terrified of it, is the one thing that I want most in my life. Um, and so I was thinking of a couple different connections in which I have these pretty big things that are going unsaid that need to be said in order for there to be a path towards extraordinary relationship. And um, I was like writing down in my journal, writing commitments of like, okay, in the next five days, you are going to reach out for a one-on-one -on -one this person. Like this afternoon, you are going to spend an hour writing down everything that you need to say. Um, and... Yeah, it felt good to be in this energetic space where this is, where I feel like I have permission to do that. Cause it's hard to give myself that permission. So yeah, that's what's been up for me. Wow, thank you. I would like to say something just yes. for you to, to hear also my voice. Hold on just one second, okay? Just we, we are getting to you and I know I know that your name starts with Z, so it usually you're the, the last one. Next time you'll have to be the first one. But I wanted to I want to ask Ethna a question, okay, before we leave that space. So could you hold on for just a second, please? Okay. 
Okay, thank you. So, Ethne, this sharing that you just made with us was very eloquent. Do you know that? No, I felt like I was stumbling through it. It was very clear and eloquent. And not only that, it was very intimate. I appreciated it really a lot. I felt closer to you after that. And the way you were saying things was in ways that I have not heard anybody else in my entire life say things before. So you weren't saying things like somebody else. You were saying things like Ethna would say them. So you were being yourself and vulnerable and being heard and seen. Yeah, thank you. I'm trying to let that land. I mean, you were actually doing the experiment that you were saying that you were so afraid to do, but yet most most were most wanting to do. And you were you were a success. That's what I'm trying to say, is that you were successfully doing it in that moment, in that time. And you lived to tell the tale. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you, Clinton. Thank you for that. So I, I ask you to just don't stop just because it is so, so uh, well done and so uh, effective, like it really, really worked. And so you can do it and you survived. And I just invite you to just keep going because this was really, it's, you can watch it over and over again on the film. And because it's, you've got, it's recorded. And it was just really well. So just thank you for, I just wanted to, I think other people have the same experience. I just wanted to voice it for us. Thank you. That means a lot. Ingrid, you you were saying you were saying you wanted to read it too. Did you get the note from Ingrid just then, Ethna? She she would love to, you know, here's the thing. You know, some I think people get the idea that. You shouldn't. You should not write a book or write down an article. Or write down stuff until you have it figured out. Until until you've got it all together in a certain way, and then it's more of a memoirs or something like that. But the 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 kind of memoirs that we're able to create are selective. You know, we forget things. We forget the difficult parts, or we forget the radical leaps of faith or the huge intensity of fear that's coming streaming through our nervous system, you know, and screaming voices in our head and making us want to turn in or turn back or turn down or whatever. And those are the things that are the jewels, you know, those, those parts of the whole evolutionary story are so precious and they get lost if you wait until you quote unquote, have it all together. It just means you forgot the hard times. That's what it means. You just, you know, you don't, nobody ever has it all together, ever. I think it's just complete crap. So, but, and so to, to try to wait and it's just letting jewels fall through your fingers. 
So I, I agree with what Ingrid was saying, was that would be a time to, um, you know, get yourself a little team together, maybe partner with Ingrid even, and say, let's, let's do this as a team. You know, it, it doesn't take a big team, you just a couple people to kind of push each other a little bit and challenge each other and ask a couple questions. They write that, those kinds of things. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay, Zika, where are you? Are you there? Okay, I just wanted to share something which uh, for me, it's, uh, uh, it was like an, another way to, to say something that I know all my life. Um, last time we were together, you were asking uh, us to become couples to work together on gremlins, to share um, when we react from our childhood and when we react as adults. And I couldn't raise my hand. And I was asking myself, why didn't you? Everybody raised his hands and you didn't. So I figured out that I have this idea that probably Everybody knows better than me. And I have this idea probably since childhood that I can sit with 20 people and I'm a lawyer and they can be like 20 lawyers and I will not speak because I have this idea that probably I didn't understood something right. Probably. Other people, they understand it better than me. And how can I raise my hand and how can I help somebody to solve his problems? Because maybe I didn't understood it right. Maybe I, I don't have enough knowledge to help other people. So I'm all this week, I'm turning it in my hand and saying, listen, you have to stop thinking like this. Everybody has this idea. You're like everybody. So this is my, my sharing for today. I'm struggling, still struggling with this idea. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tika. I want, I want to share, Dora, I see your hand just a second. Tika, I just want to share what we've been discovering over the years is that to understand as you do right now, the concept or the idea that probably you decided this, uh, everybody knows better than me, or maybe I don't understand, that you decided it a long time ago, it doesn't end up changing your behavior because something else is determining your behavior. Something else is at source for what you're able to create in the world besides your mind, your concept. And so what we've discovered is that um, there's a procedure uh, that's called an emotional healing process that actually takes you on a journey back to the source of, of where that comes from. And it's at the source where you get a new choice. Because understanding it in your mind is, is in some ways last prize. 
it's the, the weakest link in the chain in terms of creating new behavior. And so if, if you ever want to enter um, the, uh, the, the journey itself, if you want to use this opportunity, you could ask uh, if somebody here, one or two people here would take you on that emotional healing process so that so we could have another a, a truly wonderful lawyer alive in the world. A really, so it takes courage to do that, but I really hope you do it because it would be wonderful to have you speaking out as much as the other people in, in spaces where it's your clarity and your love and your your life force is, is really needed. So um, did you want to do that? Would you like to take do an experiment? Would you like to ask if some one or two people would take you on that journey? You, what you yeah. have to do is you have to write down their names afterwards and then connect with them. Okay, so, thank you. Thank you, you have to ask. You have to use your words to ask, though. Okay, I will ask. Thank you very much. What are your words? How are you asking? Uh, I'm asking if somebody is willing to uh, work with me to find the roots of um, this thought that I don't understand like others that is um, going with me all my life. And I would like very much to find the roots and get rid of them if it's possible. I believe it's possible. So is anybody wants to go with me to this journey? Uh, maybe they will write late. Ah, oh, Vera, thank you. Thank you. So wow. it's more like a space holder for your journey. They won't go with, they will go with you, but it's, it's they're being a space holder for your journey. So. If you say it that way, then you get a space holder. Okay. Do you want to just say it one more time and then write down people's names so you can yes. work it out? So Vera and Joseph just uh, raised their hands. Okay. And um, will you be a space holder for me to uh, go back to my childhood and find the roots of the journey I need to go? Will you? Thank you. Thank you. Kay put her hand up also. Yeah, there's more people with their hands up. Ah, Kay, thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay. We'll have a session. <laughs> thank you very Great. much. Great. Just writing down the names. Scott, is this a different thing? Okay, so Scott's, Scott's on your team too, Zika. Thank you. De I think Devin had his hand up. All right, Devin, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, it was for the same thing. Uh, Thank Devin, you very much. Okay. <clears throat> Did somebody else, else have their hand up before? Oh, yeah, Dor. Thank you. Dor, go ahead. I have a lot of fear sharing now because I haven't shared for a while in this team. It's a big team, a lot of people. And I want 
clarity. This this past week, my my box and my gremlin were responsible to create this situation in my life, where I got all my things stolen. Not not all of my things, and I feel a lot of sadness now coming up. And so, yeah, my box and my gremlin were responsible for creating this situation when. I, a lot of my things got stolen and I did a healing process with Johanna and Marco around it and I got a lot of gems from it. And my sentence is about that we, we talked about this, that this process is, we wanna have this conscious pain. So we want to use pain consciously for our evolution. And I, I want clarity around what, what caused me as I'm doing all this, you know, I'm doing all this work and I'm in a trainer path and I'm getting like emotional healing process to fix this situation in my life. And, and who was it? Is it something that just happened and then it's my box freaking out. Let's go home. That's it. Or is it the situation I created for myself to have this pain so I can be on, on a more rapid evolution path? Because I thought that I'm, I'm fixing myself with doing this work, with, with going to this pain consciously. Or did you want to ask for a, a partner to go to be a space holder from here, from somebody here? No, I wanted to to ask for maybe more clarity from you and from other people here around the subject of of this kind of shit happening in our life as we're doing how how we how I attract these things to my life and maybe more clarity in who who it is and what part well, of my process it is that yeah Dora I still think this would be more useful for you to ask one or two people to have a private session with you about this because it take it would be it's worth more time than just a couple comments from here it's worth taking more time invite you to really ask for a couple of people to do this with you. Okay, thank you. Is anyone can hold and navigate an emotional healing process for me or hold space for me to ask this question in the space? I see three hands. hands, I see four hands up already for five. He reaches back into the jungle. A door appears. He pulls out a notebook. It's magic. Dora, if you want to, I will I will tell people I will tell I will read people's names to you and you can just write them down, okay? Okay, thank you. Christoph, 
M. There's, you ready? I'll just, it's about six names. Yes. You ready? Christoph yes. M. Joseph Fessel. De Devin Gleason. Amber Casturi O. Ethna, yes. Ethna spelled E-I-T-H-N-E. And her last name is Le Lehi, L-E-A-H-Y. It's actually pronounced Leahy. Ethna Leahy, what a name, great. And also Ingrid, Ingrid Smithsonian Institute, somebody like that, Ingrid will do it. Schmidthusen. <laughs> Schmidthusen, God, we are such honored people to be in the presence of a Schmidthusen. It's a Smith house, right? Smith, a, where people Smith things and create stuff. We are here together in a Schmidthusen. Cool. Thank hey, you, everyone. Yeah, thank you too. I, um, Janet, how are you doing? I just want to I want to reflect that there's a, an immense amount of listening here right now in this space if you wanted to share anything. Um, a few days ago I recognized that when love shows up I get really angry. So I've really benefited from thinking about doing the 333 before before coming into an intimate space with somebody that I love. Um, I've heard, I've heard some really great things that have been really helpful. I, the anger that was spoken around when someone asked, how are you? And having the five responses, like very clear. I get extremely angry about that too. Um, so for me, intimacy brings up anger and sad, sadness, but the anger is um, really strong because um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't trust and I, yeah, uh, I have a lot of fear. I, I remember from the lab that um, I can do anger uh, lying down really well. Like it was like, it's under control. But then when it was like, okay, I'm being sane, like do it like sanity. I was like, <laughs> what I found is there was a lot of fear. So when I'm out of control, um, I don't know how to do un out of control anger. I don't, that's because I'm too scared. So. I think intimacy is really scary and extraordinary is I'm sure well discover is like super scary but I need anger to to go into it like I I, I need the anger for that yeah is there if you scan June if you scan the people here on the screen some people have been around I know you weren't here. I don't think you, have you been here the whole time, Janet? Were you yeah. on this thing the whole time? So yeah. You get, you get an idea who these people are. <clears throat> Is there, you feel like this, that you, you trust a little bit? <laughs> Nicole, but sometimes she's too nice. Uh, oh, I didn't hear that broke up. Can you say that again? Is that me? I can't hear anybody's we, we voice. Lost, we lost them. Oh, okay. 
Um, I'll, I trust Ingrid, but I'm scared that she'll be too mean. <laughs> um, I trust. <laughs> What's that? I'm going through. I, I lost my computer. Zoom doesn't always work. So um, I trust Kay, but Kay's uh, a fireball. Yeah, I quit. Kay's uh, a fireball, but I don't know if what's going to come out. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared of Kay. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, there's people, but there's always this, like, I'm Nicole scared. would be really nice. Ingrid will probably be mean. Kay, I don't know what's going to come with Kay. Vera, I'm terribly scared of. <laughs> but Vera will speak truth and forget Anne Chloe. <laughs> Anne Chloe's the terrified. I don't know what's going to come out. You know, so like there's always this like. <laughs> My original question was, is there one of the women that you feel a little bit home home with, like safe with or just. Somebody who yeah could, Nicole Nicole have you have you yeah. talked to Nicole much? Um, when I was doing the group stuff and yeah, I'd go to her group and we had a one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, I mean, I'm just checking to see if you have a buddy or two on your journey here, and it's an experiment. No, you're you're totally accurate in saying that we're gonna. We're really going to need to buddy up and to do and to enter the extraordinary. We really need to buddy up because there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up, and so it would be really great if you would negotiate a simple, like weekly check-in or something with Nicole if she would do that. You know, just a. If Nicole, can you say something about that? I don't know what's on your plate right now. I have a lot on my plate and I will make room for that because I want that with you. Yeah, Janet, we need you coming by. You know, we need you getting through like the wiggly foundation. It seems that you're standing on. There's so much bigness we really need it so if you could make the call with nicole for that reason to just let some new sprouts let some new roots grow let some new feet grow underneath you and and, and, and land you on the ground in reality you know in real in, in the present time in present time reality, let some new legs grow out of you onto the earth and you and do that with Nicole in these talks, okay? Would could you would you keep that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's easy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. We've got a couple of minutes left. Is there anyone who needs to say anything? I didn't jump in earlier about the book thing, but I've also been writing a book. And so 
had the success I'm having with it is I wrote the table of contents and I had a lot of fun doing that. Like um, basically like being like, yeah, excited, like listing the themes and the kind of the sequence I want to do them in. And then I found that like sitting for long periods and typing is something it's not working for me so much, but for those of you writing out there, you might like this. There's an app that's free called Otter, O-T-T-E-R. And you can just walk, like I've just been walking and talking and it automatically transcribes uh, what you say to varying degrees of accuracy, but it's mostly pretty good. So I've just been going on walks and talking into that and then it transcribes what I'm writing and then I go back and edit it and so, it's like good enough for a, for a rough draft kind of thing. So I wanted to make sure I shared that with you all. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hmm. Joseph, hey, you know, when we talked to you before at the beginning, Joseph, we were kind of joking around. I just wanted to know if there's anything else you wanted to say right now. Yeah, I really, think that the the anger the 333 is um is changing my my relationship just recently um i we ran through a few days of having some kind of distance being detached to each other of resentment and all this kind of thinking popping up and then um we had this clarifying uh negotiation talk together and uh, i got the feedback that I'm getting much more uh, clearer and, and um, my partner Doris has to readjust her attitude towards me because I'm different. I'm, I'm getting, I'm giving her more stuff back and I'm getting, um, it's different energy and, and that has created a kind of a turbulence in our relationship which was very good actually. It felt at the moment, it felt some kind of, um, yeah, it, it was was not not doing good, but at the end, it was creating new intimacy, and it was beautiful to to go through that and to experience that that shift that happens when uh, when I'm really pushing forward and getting off these layers of niceness. Yeah. Wow, getting off layers of niceness. Wow. <clears throat> Oh, okay, everyone. Maybe that's enough food for right now. Thank you so much for your sharing. Really, I have to tell you, there was a part of my voice in my head that was saying, you know, it's getting to be Christmas time. You know, maybe maybe I should say let's let's skip a few weeks and start again next year. And I can't do that. I'm gonna just be here every Monday and so we'll see what you guys do, but I have to see you guys every Monday. So, or my life won't be the same. <laughs> All right, take it easy you guys and have a great time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And Chloe, she said bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.